presented by the Hockey Shop, source for Sports Langley, thehockeyshop.com. We're all back together, at least electronically. Darren Millard, along with the co-founders of Ingoal Magazine, Kevin Woodley and David Hutchison, who are side-by-side on the couch recording from the lower mainland. This is awesome seeing the two of you via Zoom in the same room, able to just commiserate like this. I just zoomed over to the mainland so we could do it. Oh, dad jokes for 60 is through the roof already. It's nice to be here with Hutch. And you know what the best part is? Today's interview was also done in person. Now, I guess I don't know if I'm supposed to give away the feature guest this week, Darren, but I'm going to do it anyways. I'm going to steal the thunder. Bill Ranford. And we did it at his place in New Westminster, which means, yes, for anyone who saw our webinar with him, we saw the office with all the masks Trophies. And the jerseys, Conn Smythe trophies, Canada Cup, Stanley Cups, the miniature ones that the guys get to keep that win it, sticks from Gretzky, Lemieux, autographs. A little bit just, of fanboy oh, going on yeah, there little, today. Even, even me who's been around on the media side, the NHL for 23 years now, the, the fanboy came out. But best of all, the interview, I cannot wait for folks to hear this. It is... And it's not just nostalgia, his career. There's a little bit of that sprinkled in and how the game has evolved, but a lot of talk about where the game is going, where the position is going, uh, trends, what he's seeing, how we keep developing, how to get better as goalies, as goalie coaches, just absolutely loaded with great information. Sounds like you guys were giddy. Well, it's a big day, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, this is the day to be giddy as a goalie because it's International Goalie Day. We're all celebrating. It's the International Goalie Hockey Hall of Fame inductions next week with three different goaltenders uh, going in this month uh, in Toronto with Tom Barrasso, Mike Vernon, and Henrik Lundqvist all being inducted. Imagine sitting around with that group on induction weekend with that kind of roundtable. Don't give me any ideas. I'd be on a plane tomorrow if I knew I could pull it off. Mike Vernon winning cups with two different teams. Henrik Lundqvist the king changing the position in a lot of ways and Tom Barrasso just a pure winner uh, on those Pittsburgh Penguin clubs and the ultimate competitor uh, coming out of high school straight to the National Hockey League so uh, pretty cool uh, attributes uh, across the board there uh, as far as International Goaltender Day where did that come from how what's the origin there the origin is actually in goal's own Paul Campbell who has done a bunch of running for us in the past and I, uh, we've got an announcement involving Paul coming soon, but it's not finalized and I don't want to give it away. Today actually would have been a perfect day to make the announcement. We're just going to leave it as a tease. Good day to tease it. It's exciting. Um, but Paul Campbell coined the phrase. Uh, obviously, it's the the anniversary of Jacques Plante first putting on a mask. Um, and, and Paul's actually written some incredible articles with one of our favorite in-goal readers and listeners, uh, Chris Matola. Uh, about sort of the journey he had to continuing to play after hip surgeries. Mm-hmm. Um, fantastic read that anyone can look up online uh, on ingolmag.com. So, yeah, I mean, this 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 has origins in, in Ingol Magazine and, and not us. All credit to Paul Campbell for coming up with the idea of celebrating this great position. And we decided to celebrate it last year and this year by sharing Ingol premium content with everyone. So if you go to ingolmag.com, for those who have heard us rave about the material that we produce, and yes, this is a bit of a backpat on International Goalie Day. 
But for those who hear us always talk about the value you get out of an Ingold Magazine subscription, we're giving you a taste. There are 11 unlocked articles linked out of that main International Goalie Day piece that's up on the website right now. Um, we're going to leave those unlocked, give you time to go through them. There's pro drills with Thatcher Demko, pro reads and pro tips with Linus Allmark, uh, Connor Hellebuck, Devin Levi. Thatcher yeah. Demko. Well, I mentioned Demko, I think. like all, Some of the greatest names uh, in the game right now, coaches, goalies. We want to give everyone a taste for free. Celebrate Goalie Day with us. See what you're missing, frankly, and if you think it's worth it, then then buy a subscription. But a little free taste on Goalie Day for everyone who maybe hasn't bought a subscription yet to see what they're missing, frankly. How did you not hear him say Demko? You're right beside him, Hutch. Sorry, did you just say something? <laughs> well played. Uh, that, that was I'll really just turn well on my hearing aids how many, over here. how many days or years have we been doing the celebration of International Goalie Day? This is six. Six, yeah. I better be six because oh. I wrote six. Yeah, and credit and, <laughs> and credit to Paul for starting it, and credit to every other goaltender out there who has picked up on it and realize that the goaltenders of the world need a day to be celebrated. So it's Paul might might have planted the seeds, but it's taken a whole community to uh, make this start to bubble to the surface. And I love seeing all the best wishes on Twitter and so forth uh, every year. And I hope people out there are buying a gift for the goalie in their life. And we can think of a good one. We can. Celebrate International Goalie Day by buying the goalie in your life. A subscription to In Goal Well, Magazine. Woody's wife bought us a beautiful dinner tonight. That was a nice gift for the goalies in her life. You just went all announcer on me, Woody. Yeah, that was, that was, that was, I didn't even know I had that voice in me, buddy. I liked it. It, it was good. <laughs> uh, really digging deep. You think I like, like uh, Al, for that. So here in Vancouver, Al Murdoch goes to all the, he's one of the best, like the best. And he ends up, we lose him as the, home announcer for the Canucks games. Anytime there's a big event like the Heritage Classic, he was there in Edmonton for that. So you're saying that that little sampling might give me a chance to 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 do some announcements? I have done PA announcements like in hockey, goals and penalties and things like that. I love it. I, I, I really enjoy it because you get to, to pretend you're a big voice announcer guy. It's fun. And you don't have to really say much. There's a little script. You say the name and the penalty and then you repeat the penalty uh, and you might have to say final minute of play or last minute of play, and and then that's it. It's it's a very uncomplicated job. It's when you get a bunch of penalties or some kind of special event announcement that it, that it gets stressful. I've just done it. I've done. Yeah, I did a few this year. It's pretty exciting, and uh, I I found it kind of busy because you got to get all the sponsor reads in and so on because it's June. See that I don't like. I just want to do the hockey yeah. stuff, and somebody else can do the sponsor reads. And, I mean, you say it's easy, but maybe you've got a better mind for hockey than me. But when when the scorer calls up and six from thirteen and two, and you've got to figure out which player that was, and not forget to do this, and so I of course had to geek out and write a whole spreadsheet that I could type the numbers in and up come the names with a full script for me. Because I'm the geek in the group, but uh, it is pretty fun putting on the podcast voice in the arena. Shots on goal that period, 12-9 for a two-period total of 34-25. <laughs> I, I screwed that up too. Uh, listen, uh, one, one word, and we'll get to Bill. I know that uh, he's uh, great, and uh, we want to dive into the censoring a feature interview. We also have the gear segment. Uh, brought to you by the hockey shop with the uh, the Bauer line of uh, pants, and uh, we'll we'll dive into that below their pro model. 
But uh, one comment from each of you on the three Hall of Fame inductees next week. And we'll we'll go probably a little more in depth. But Tom Brasso, a word or a line from both of you. It doesn't have to be, I don't want it to be long, but I'm just curious uh, about uh, first blush. What's your, what's your first thought of Tom Barrasso? Hutch. Well, I think you brought it up already. It jumped out at me the moment it happened was straight out of high school into the National Hockey League. If you're listening to this show right now and you are a senior in high school, a 12th grade student in high school playing high school hockey, you could be in the National Hockey League winning the Calder Trophy next year. Besna too, didn't he? But just remarkable, remarkable uh, ascension. And then, of course, the gear stands out for him. But you said one word, so I'm just going to cut it off at that. The jump from high school to the National Hockey League, uh, pretty much unprecedented. And we are not going to see that again for a long time. Woody. Pre-dates me. <laughs> I don't honestly. Honestly, I just like I'm not gonna blow smoke and, and a bunch of I, those I, exciting box pads. Throw that in. Yeah, there you go. Ahead of his time, yeah, right? Ahead of his time in the gear. Was he an excellent puck handler as well? Oh, huge! He might be the South Pole. Is he, is he the all-time leading points getter in the National Hockey League for goalies? That sounds. He's right. very close. If he's not, yeah, I, we will contribute that. I want to know what your first thought, Hutch is on Mike Vernon. Long time coming. Hmm. It's about time. How about that? Yeah, that's the first thought for me. Um, excellence, um, as you mentioned, in two organizations, and I think perhaps overshadowed by the teams he played for. Woody? If I was keeping it at one word, it would be winner. If I okay. had to go beyond that, I've got a few other memories that are, are off the ice, having a chance to meet him at a golf course. Um, and I hate to say this, apologies to Mike Vernon, but the one that jumps up the most to me is not a memory he would want me to bring up, but double overtime Pavel Bure, 1994 Canucks Cup Mm -hmm. run. Before I was a journalist, I was a fan. I was in university, and me and a bunch of guys, on a whim and after a few adult beverages, hopped in a Volkswagen GTI that had five seats, and we had six guys and drove from Vancouver to Calgary to watch that game. That's a great story. I remember that story. I, I love that. We can't flash back on that one enough. Uh, the, the Gretzky shot. I, I still don't know how that thing went in down the, down the wall and putting it in. But, uh, but boy, that guy was a gamer. He could come up with big saves and playing in his hometown too. That's the, the, the part that he, he stood up to some pressure. Being a Calgary guy, played junior there, uh, did win a Memorial Cup, being picked up by Portland. Uh, and then uh, back when you could do that. Uh, and then goes to Calgary and and launches a Hall of Fame career, winning a Stanley Cup in his hometown. That's kind of cool. Uh, what's up, and, uh, Hutch? And Mike Vernon, fifth all-time in points by goaltenders in the National Hockey League with uh, 39 points over his career. And I was correct. Tom Barrasso leads the list at 48 points, one ahead of Martin Brodeur and Grant Fear. And who's four? Uh, number four would be Patrick. Patrick Waugh. With uh, huh. 45 points. Um, but just for a little bit of fun, because we know that Tom Barrasso had a bit of a temper. Uh, he had 427 penalty minutes. Uh, Brodeur only 122. So we, we know funny. the guy that would lead in penalty minutes for goalies, though. The Billy Smith? There's a couple of guys in there up. that you don't think of as natural puck handlers, but longevity uh, picks up the points. 
And and a guy like Ron Hextall, who was brilliant, and Marty Berdur, who was so accomplished, aren't at the top of that list. And and Hex, he's not even in the in the top five. He scored goals. Yes. But he's not in the top five of assists. Yeah, well, I mean, the, I guess there has to be a little bit of context too. Um I'm thinking I'm I'm this is this is just me. I'm thinking that maybe there were a few leaves behind the net. You know, just go out, handle a rim, leave it. And in Fear's case, Paul Coffey yeah. picks it up in wheels. You know, like I'm just saying, you know, up to Mario, up to... Yeah, Mar- Mario and Yager were pretty good players to yeah. Yeah. leave the puck for. Leave it for the defenseman, wheels around, one pass, and those guys go down the wing. Played uh, hockey with... Uh, a bunch of players during one of the work stoppages and Paul Coffey would come out and skate with us every now and then. And I left a puck behind the net for him one time. He went down and scored and skated back before the other team grabbed it and started the game again. And he said, how do you think Fierzy got 14 one year? That exact play. <laughs> Love it. So you're, you're right on the money there. And, and Coff was, uh, was on board with Dude, it. Dude, he was in the press uh, box recently for, for a game I covered and he looks like he could still go out there and wheel. Oh, he's he's awesome. He's one of my favorite people. Uh, I love that guy. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist, a quick thought. Woody, we'll start with you first. Oh, I can't do that in one. I mean, we've you know what? Um, we talked about fanboying being over at Bill Ranford's place. I'm a huge fan of Henrik Lundqvist, the person, the goaltender. Um, we, you know, I would just say he exudes class, um, but also competitive, right? Like, like we know that. Everything he got, he earned. I love that there was no stone unturned. He was willing to adapt his game. There are so many different stories about him evolving over the years, but the biggest one coming from Sweden where he told us he was an outside-in, backwards-flow goaltender to you know playing Benoit Lair's system to perfection in New York as more of an inside-out guy. Uh, the role he played in evolving the equipment, like there's nothing... I don't think there, there's many things this guy didn't touch in terms of the game and the evolution of it as a goaltender. And I would just suggest that anyone, if you have a chance, um, go back and listen to our uh, podcast interview with him um, from, I think, was it was it last summer or might have even been two summers ago. But go look that one up because um, it's an all-timer. Hutch. Well, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind was the way he played the position and, uh, and the depth that he played at, I think, is something that so many people recognize. But I, I just have to throw in, uh, if, it's, if it's one word, I'll use two words, and that's practice glove because it comes up again in the podcast today with Bill Ranford. Um, interestingly, though, he doesn't like the practice gloves because he thinks it stopped goaltenders from learning how to catch properly. Um, Henrik could catch, but he did it with a practice glove for so many years. That big way, you know, that big, the big dinner plate. The way it opened up and presented, and he had to sort of catch everything in the pocket and turn it upright to sort of keep it there. It was, yeah. Yeah, it was remarkable. Cujo was the first guy I saw do that. But oh, really? Lundqvist I, I didn't made know that. a thing, uh, for sure. Oh, my thought was he became a brand of himself. Uh, yeah, there aren't many of those. Rare is it that the NHL's most recognizable face is a guy that wears a mask. And he was, arguably, the NHL's most recognizable guy because of everything that goes with uh, Henrik Lundqvist. I know it doesn't have anything to do with the skill, no. but, uh, but he was uh, a superstar. You know what? One word after I've said about 500 on him, the king. Yeah. And the graphics that, uh, that he got going with the, the equipment in the back half of his career was spectacular. Hutch? Oh, he's just informing me that the king is two words. Oh. I'm feeling snarky today. I can't, I can't hear him. He's sitting back there, and I can't, I can't hear him properly. 
And, but he's so comfortable. I feel I feel awkward trying to tell him to move. You think oh, he's catch? You think no he's problem. comfortable? You think he's comfortable now? You should have seen him when we, when he wanted to do this in the hot tub. I thought that was going to happen. Yeah, I got a thermostat issue. We got to fix. We couldn't. We we tend to go a little longer on these, Darren. Right now, the hot tub is at a balmy one hundred and four. You can't stay in there too long. No, no, that's gonna that's gonna be tough. Uh, we've got to Billy Ranford standing by in just a little bit with the Sensorina feature interview. Uh, but right now, it's the gear segment, and this week, Cam and Woody talking about the secondary line of Bauer pants. Let's go to the hockey shop. Source for Sports Langley, thehockeyshop.com, Bauer Pants. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports. We're here in Goalie Utopia with Cam Matwiv. That's me. To go over the Bauer pant line. But yes. this isn't Hyperlite. This isn't Mock. This isn't your top price point. We're going to go over the next tiers below. Prices, options, what you get, what you don't get, who it's for. So let's start at sort of the, we did this with another brand. We said, what do we say? Good, better, best? Good, better, best. Okay, so best is? The Bauer Pro. In these options. Best is obviously going to be Hyperlite 2 or the Mock. But in the next one down, oh, they don't have pants branded to the Hyperlite 2 and the Mock. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source of Sports. I'm Cam, the gear expert. Here he's Kevin. He's just along for the ride. And we're going to try I'm just this the again. Pretty face. I'm just the pretty face. <laughs> so the Bauer pant line that goes Pro Elite GSX, not following the naming of their pad lineups or anything like that. So I had it all wrong. Yeah. That's okay. That's what we're here for. So ladies and gentlemen, let's go over the differences here. Similarities. This once really again. is the best. Yes, that's why I said pro. You know, pro, pro for best. All right. So, so those that are familiar with the last year's pro pant, which we did go over. I won't even say last year's. It was 2021 uh, when that pant uh, was released. So a lot of similarities between that pant and this pant. So what returns? Um, that overall shape and feel, construction-wise, once again, very, very, very similar. Some nice differences and updates to the pants is that we have um, okay. basic. Just, I'm going to call time out. I realize I've already screwed this up and I'm in no position to be the expert here, but I want to ask the expert. When you talk about not a lot of changes in sort of the, the silhouette, the fit, the feel, what is it known for? Like when you talk about what the Bauer was in 2021 that hasn't changed, just just walk us through that really quick because not everybody's worn it before yes so what this pant is kind of designed to fit like a little bit more of that barrel shape um so rounded in the front yes correct Roar. like it like it has to be at the pro level uh, yes yes to a bit of a degree though but these are non-nhl legal thighs so they are the 10 inch which we'd find that's a good thing folks because yes. the nhl legal ones are just thinner less protective Nine. and uh let's be honest they're less uh less profile they look smaller they look small they look small for sure so, removable pads on the inside of the thigh. This would be one of the things I say to ditch um, if you are wearing knee pads, which you should be anyway. Um, but if you're not, and we worked with a pro this summer who is not, you can have this. Do not do what Johnny Don't does. But 
Um, you can get rid of these. That opens up the thigh a little bit more. It, to me, it adds a little bit more mobility to the pant too. I find these a little bit restrictive. That's my own personal preference. Uh, on the inside too, which is a little bit harder to show, there's actually a strap connection point um, that goes hand in hand with actually the Bauer knee pads themselves. So you can connect the knee pads to the inside of the pant. Correct. Uh, so a nice additional feature, kind of sliding up. Their style of segmented uh, protection, which Ooh, is... Segmentation was the word of the day a couple weeks ago. Yes, it was. Which is also featuring their DTC foam. So now what's changed is we used to see Poron. DTC is the new foam, impact resistant foam that's uh, taken over. Um, so it's going to do basically all the same things as uh, Poron. And we have that in the segment. So we have that in portions. the amp. And then we have that also in the, the actual... Amp, amp, you said amp. I'm yeah. not here to talk about getting more power out of my stereo in my 85 GTI, like I was in high school again, active motion protection is what AMP stands for in this case, folks. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm trying to be of See, use he's today. Up, he's catching up. So some of the new features that we do see though, we have seen some refinement just on some of the high wear areas of the pant. So we are featuring basically a uh, vinyl uh, much, uh, Vinyl, like, it may be a vinyl, but it's a very rich feeling. Like it's, yeah. it's got a very nice feel to it. I feel like vinyl almost like maybe the car guy in me, vinyl feels cheap. That bang, feels bang really, vinyl. really vinyl. nice. Yes. So it's on those areas that usually get a lot of contact with Velcro or just abrasion wear. So again, designed to improve some of the durability of that overall pant. Um, removable, removable now, internal belt. Uh, which is something that was... Okay, you're going to have to do a lot better job of showing. You can talk about it. I'll show okay. it. Removable internal belt. Great overall feature, again, depending on how you like to wear your pant. As me, as someone that uh, tucks in, I would get rid of the internal belt as I'm using the suspenders to help hold that pant on and kind of float it on me a little bit more. And I would definitely be using the inner belt because I like to sort of create that larger barrel fit but have it tight around the waist. I love inner belts. So I love the fact um, that you can do both in this yep. pant. You can have an inner belt or not. Excellent. Uh, one more feature uh, that is definitely worth calling out would be their inch drop. So by actually moving the suspender buttons on here and then tacking that down one on each um, of the price points of pants, you have the ability to extend that pant by an extra inch. So if you've got longer sort of knee to hip measurements, you can actually make that pant a little longer if you need a little more length. Correct. Also potentially adding additional growth room to the pant itself. Great for parents who are looking for something that's going to grow with their kids. And you said that... Sorry, is on the Pro Elite, but not on the GSI. Okay, so let's go to the Elite as the second price, the next price point down, uh, which again, does include that ability to lengthen it, which is great for young, growing goaltenders. I mean, let's be honest, like we get into some of those ranges, kids change an entire size and season. The last thing you want to do is buy a new set of pants, keep them protected, keep them in a pant that fits. I love that option. So when we go to the Elite, we are, obviously you're going to see some differences in the price point. So we're not going to be featuring that DTC foam anywhere on the pan. Your standard HD LD foam blocks all the way throughout. Same overall cut of pant as well. It's $100 cheap. Yes. You're going to get less for $100 less. Exactly, exactly. We still feature that removable internal belt, which we saw here over on the Pro. Like that? Uh, yes, but what I do find that the best upgrade over this, over like uh, last year's model, the 2021, um, everything about the pants actually a little bit thicker. Um, so this got a bit of a protection beef um, over the previous Elite model. So, so again, like, and to be expected, you're maybe not going to get the quite the protection level you get at the highest end pant. You don't Correct. have that, that specialized impact absorbing foam but you've got a little more protection than past models. You still have, you know, again, 
nice dynamic two flex, dynamic which is carry flex. from last Again, year. Nice, flexible, segmented protection on the front of the pants. I like segmentation, Cam. It was your word a couple weeks ago. Um, removable belt, a lot of nice features there. I like it for $100 less. Okay, one more step down. GSX. So, GSX, um, once again, actually got a little bit of a protection upgrade too as well, so the thigh blocks are a little bit thicker. But here's where we started to see the most differences between that and say like the pro price. And this is the lowest price. This is designed more for as more of a youth pant, no? Uh, no like it goes down to the youth sizing, but th this is available in senior as well. So you're, you're first for way into ice hockey altogether. You're not looking for the utmost protection. You're looking for something to get me out on the ice. Lower sort of level, lower level beer league, maybe if yeah. you're not facing guys that shoot at 80, 90. Roller hockey, ball hockey, you know things like that too as well. This is where this pant comes in premium because you don't need a pro pant to go, you know, play some of that stuff, but you need something that's still going to move, be lightweight, and still obviously yeah, give you like some protection. Guy who's never had one of those stupid orange balls leave a welt on you. <laughs> back at back in the old school yard days, right? So you still get a removable belt, but beyond that, that's when you start to see again the most differences. We're not going to feature that uh, inch drop in terms of for adjustment with the pant itself. Um, still kind of standard overall fit, but once again, you know, a little bit less protection, no DTC foam, nothing like that. A little bit, like I hate to say, but almost like a player pant, except for with some level of protection over yeah, top of the Yeah, I would thighs. still like say just... it's as far from a player pant as you want to be. So I started bad, I end bad, but I, I, I did some good things in the middle of the segment. How about we do another good thing and give you the number to call camp? 589-8299 or 1-800-567-7790 or check them out at thehockeyshop.com where I've got all these pants listed. There's some stock left over from the last year's pant, the 2021 version. Still on sale. It's still on sale. Definitely worth checking out. If I don't have that, obviously we've got the new ones. This is why we give you his number, folks, and not my number. Did you really want to call him? We do. Fair. I don't have all the answers. That's why we come to the experts like Cam and his crew at the hockey shop. Um, if you have any questions, make sure you reach out to them. Uh, leave some comments. We do need to get you in the comment section, my friend. We got a lot of questions in there. And as we established in this segment, I'm not suited to answer them all. We need to go to the experts. So I promise we'll bring that to you soon, folks. Keep the comments and questions coming. And remember, if you ever have anything you're uncertain of about a product you're looking to buy, there is no better person to call than Cam or his staff here at The Hockey Shop. Or check them out and send them an email at thehockeyshop.com. Woody. Woody, let's go back to the start of that. Yeah, I, I you, yeah, I. You, you got caught with your pants down. There's man, your dad joke. And you and Hutch and the dad jokes today. That's yeah. just like, yikes! Like we're not even an hour in, so we're dad jokes per sixty. Is that too? That was good. I, I like the way Cam took control, though. I mean, let's be honest. Cam's in charge, and we're in his goalie utopia, and it's probably about time that he put me in my place. And especially when you're going to blow it as badly as I did by talking about hyperlight and mock pants as if such things exist. Uh, and he straightened me out. He called me on it. So there you go. Pro at the top level. And then as you just hear, heard, we have some tears below that. Isn't it funny, though, that there's a, a line for everything, like whether it's pads or whether it's gloves or upper body, but then pants just kind of exist on their own? Yeah, you know what? I think I think in 
this is new, right? Because they used to have two lines, both CCM and Bauer, and this is a relatively new phenomenon. But at the end of the day, in all those other instances, there are enough differences between the two lines to warrant having them. There's distinctions. Mm. And when it comes to pants, I just think that they got closer and closer, like the two lines started to bleed into each other because those were the features that everybody wanted. And so why create something that goes outside of that just to call it different when you can come up with it, what is essentially their ultimate pants? And I think both both those brands, CCM and Bauer, have done that. And that's why at the highest level, there's just one. Having played in the old era, uh, I love pants. You, you rarely feel stingers anymore. The odd time you'll get one flush and uh, it'll... Uh sting you a little bit but uh it used to be in the inside of the thighs you would get those bruises because there wasn't enough padding there hutch knows exactly what i'm talking about uh, or uh on the uh on the hip area now it's 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 so awesome what they've done uh for that piece of equipment uh billy ranford would know exactly what uh we're talking about because he he played in uh the early days of western hockey league he was an all-star and uh, then came up through in the National Hockey League, drafted by Boston, then ends up in, in Edmonton, and he's our feature interview this week, brought to you by Sensorina, Sensorina VR. I was going to say, before we get to Sensorina, guess what, Darren? We talk what? about equipment with Billy, and about the oh, fear really? factor and bruises and all the different things, and, and not just not just about what it used to be like, but specifically how the changes to these equipment lines completely changed how goalies play. So that's a fun part of this conversation. But to get it back to our friend Hutch and Sensorina... That is the one beauty of working in a virtual reality environment. Outside of when I punched my desk because I hadn't set up my boundary area before the first time I put it on and knocked coffee everywhere, you don't end up with bruises in Sense Arena. You don't flinch either. It's oh, great. I, I kind of probably <laughs> do. It's too really? real. Well, it's so realistic, right? And I suck. So, hey, this is goalie day. For all of us, and Sense Arena got on board with Goalie Day, and they have made their newest release today. NHL Sense Arena is what it is now called. The product is known as NHL Sense Arena because there is so much more NHL content available. You can now suit up as a goaltender for your favorite National Hockey League team. You can be in their dressing room because they've changed the entire interface for the game as well. The game, I shouldn't say game, although although there is now a multiplayer mode in Sense Arena. So you can either show uh, buddies and friends what you've been doing in Sense Arena or even compete head-to-head against them. So huge changes in store with Sense Arena. We will have more on that very soon because we've got the new release on our headset and we're doing some initial testing already. We're super excited about what we've seen. But I think I'll leave it at that for now. There's more coming, but there's also more coming on Sense Arena because Bill Ranford is part of the Sense Arena board, something that quite honestly, when we set this up, uh, we'd forgotten about, but it came up again in the conversation today. And uh, Bill talks about the value of it and using it with their NHL and even more importantly, their American Hockey League goaltenders as part of their training program. So we'll let Bill talk more about Sense Arena later on. So Bill is the director of goaltending for the Los Angeles Kings, longtime goaltending coach uh, with the LA Kings, uh, winning a couple of uh, Stanley Cups as a coach with that organization. And you guys catch up with them in in lower mainland and it's a what, a seven, eight hour 
talk. You didn't record the whole time, but you guys you guys hung out a long time. Yeah, to Bill, it probably felt like seven or eight hours. I think it was only four we were with him, though. How good is that? It was oh, so what a great way to celebrate goalie day. Yeah, it was it was a great it was a great day. It was a great day. It was organic. We met we met for lunch and and to Hutch's point, I came home because I was late for we were late coming home for dinner and I said to my wife, I'm like, so I thought we'd only be an hour. I didn't know we'd be a couple hours and Hutch holds up his hand. He's like, "Four. We were 4 hours." I'm like, "Oh my god, it just flew by." And probably not for Bill, poor guy, but it was uh had lunch, just chatted organically about everything around the game, and then invited us back to his place to record the interview because it was a little loud where we were having lunch, and showed us around and showed us all you know that that incredible office that he's got set up, and then we just talked goaltending. It was uh, it was a great international goalie day for us. Got a couple of questions for you after the interview, just about the office and the setup and all the memorabilia. That was around, but uh, Bill Ranford from Brandon, Manitoba, one of the greats out of that city and uh, through his playing career and now a part of uh, paying it forward as the director of goaltending with the LA Kings with Hutch and Woody on In Goal Radio, the podcast, the feature interview presented by Sensorina, Sensorina VR. Really excited to welcome back to the Ingo Radio podcast, Bill Ranford of the Los Angeles Kings with a new title this year, Director of Goaltending with the Los Angeles Kings. As much as you can, walk us through how things have shifted in your day-to-day and overall since walking away from being on the ice on a daily basis. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is uh, having that ability to be home in uh, New Westminster, uh, which I haven't had that opportunity in the last 12 years. you know, kind of when Daryl Sutter took over, it was like, uh, you're going to be full time or find another job. So that's when, when things changed for me. So, uh, that ability to be around my wife and my kids and grandchildren has been a lot of fun from the work side. It's been really interesting. It was uh, a crazy summer. We hired, uh, three new positions within the goalie department. Um, so that made it, uh, which is usually my uh, quiet time, uh, a very busy time. And then, you know, right now, as far as my new role, it's just kind of get my feet wet and trying to figure it out. There's uh, there's no real map for what my uh, job looks like. Um, so just uh, working with uh, Rob Blake and uh, Jake Goldberg, um, you know, between the three of us, we're trying to figure this new role out and, and uh, you know, kind of get to the point where we have a better system for finding goalies and, uh you know, from the free agency standpoint, uh, when you need to go out and find a new NHL goalie, uh, we have a system in place. One of the one of the guys that you hired is Mike Buckley, who sort of steps into the shoes that you occupied before in terms of the day-to-day on ice with the Los Angeles Kings. How much are you involved with him just in terms of that communication back and forth, right? Like he's new into the organization, goalies you might know better than him, at least, you know, in terms of Phoenix Copley being a guy who's back, like, are you guys bouncing stuff off each other? Obviously, you leave him to his own devices on certain things. Like, how does how how interactive is it? Well, we we try to be uh, interactive as possible. Um, the big thing that you know, when when I started investigating this role, I approached some of the uh, other goalie coaches um, uh, around the league that kind of got a little bit of a leg up on us with uh, having a, a director of goaltending. And the biggest thing message that I got is is um, it's important that you're making things better, not making things harder. Uh, and and I thought it was a really good advice. So 
my approach is not to put fuel on the fire, but actually try and be there to to be helpful and uh, assist Mike Buckley and and uh, you know Adam Brown, and then at the our latest hire and Danny Tyrone. So for me, it's more um, I want to help, not make their job more difficult. When you look back to your playing days, when you probably wouldn't have even had a goal, like. Now we've got entire departments. Like when you look back, do you, do you wish you'd had this much in you know resources and support? How like how have we seen this evolve? And I'm guessing it's all positive in your eyes. Yeah, it's it's positive. I think the the only drawback is is you know I look at my own career and how much I learned by having to figure out figure it out myself sometimes. And I think there's a time and place for that. And you know I was I tried to be as conscious about that as possible when I was the goalie coach in LA, that there's certain days that I, I just put it in my mind that I'm not going to say anything to the goalies today. I'm going to leave them alone, let them do their own thing, let them figure things out themselves. If they look at me, you know, looking for something, I just turned away and, or skated down to the other end. So I just feel there's certain, certain times where you just need to uh, leave them alone and uh, let them figure out things for themselves. And, and I think that was a big part of my career. There's certain stages of my career where you relied on your partner, you know, and, uh, you know, we didn't have goalie coaches. Very few teams did at that time. And so uh, you relied on each other or you relied on yourself and or going home and trying to talk to your wife about it. So, um, you know, that hasn't changed in my new role. I rely on my wife a lot. But, you know, you, there's, there's a certain point where um, – I think is important for the individual that the goalie coach cannot be looked upon as a crutch. They, you have to figure it out yourself sometimes. Is that a good lesson for even younger goalies as much as you're just involved at the highest level? Like I think we hear stories of like kids in minor hockey that like have a bad game and the first call is to their private goalie coach to help figure it out. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's crucial that, that there's, there's that point, um, you know, whether it's in a week, a month or a year that, that you try and figure it out yourself. Um, you're not always going to have a goalie coach. You're not going to, you know, if for some reason something happens that your goalie coach isn't available, like what, you stop playing goal? It ju- it's just not a reality. So there, there's a point where you have to understand that you got to figure it out yourself. And uh, sometimes digging deep and, and realizing that it does have to come from you because the bottom line is when you step out on the ice, your goalie coach can't do anything for you. It's the, you know, I, I laugh about it because, you know, there's always comments about what's he doing out there and stuff. And me sitting 400 feet away, I've, I've got zero power at that point. I can help the goalie get prepared as best as he can, um, give him as much uh, detail uh, in an opposing team and shooters, et cetera. But the bottom line is once that puck is dropped, it's up to them. Have you seen that, like the need to sort of take that step? Like, has that increased over time? Like, do do we see more young young kids coming up? Maybe at times a little too reliant on needing that outside voice to fix things. Yeah, I think so. Like, I mean, that was probably uh, you know we signed um, Eric Pertillo, uh at the end of the season last year, and you know Eric came in just guns ablaze and gung ho about wanting to learn and get better and. And, um, you know, basically at times we just had to put the old stop sign out there. Like, you know, he wanted to ask questions about everything and, and, you know, we wanted everything fast. He wanted to happen quick. And, uh, we, you know, the message to him was just, you know what, this is going to be a process. The big thing for us is the first half of the year is going to be, going to be a learning process for you where there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, 
but we're more focused on the second half of the season, not the first half. And if you all, if you want it all in the first two weeks, uh, we're going about it the wrong way. So, you know, uh, Eric's the first young guy, talented guy that's come through here in a while for us um, because we, we haven't had many draft picks lately. So it's, uh, you know, it, it gave us an, a, an opportunity as a staff to have to kind of check our hats a little bit and remember, okay, we got to, we got to do this properly. We got to do it slow and, but we have to do it right. And, and so that was the big conversation with, with our whole group, uh, leading into this season with uh, a handling of a guy like Eric Portillo. Is that a great example of the need? We talk about the position constantly evolving, but the need as teachers and as a director in a new role, like, like everything changes and you've got to evolve as well, how you do things. Well, I don't think you, you survive, um, you know, 18 years with one team. If you're, if you're not humble enough to realize that the game is changing, it's changing constantly. And if you're not willing to change with the times, then you're probably going to be out of work. And so that's going to be no different in, in my role as, as the uh, director, I'm going to constantly have to continue to learn, continue to watch, see what other teams are doing, see what other goalies are doing, other goalie coaches. And, you know, it's no different than when we talk to a goalie, we can, we're going to give you these tools and you can decide whether they fit in your toolbox or not. Well, that's going to be no different for anybody in any of the positions with the LA Kings as, as far as the goalie department goes. We're, we're going to have to look for different tools throughout the, the way to try and make our goalies better. And, and if we're not willing to have open eyes and, um, and be humble enough to understand that we don't have all the answers, uh, then, then we'll, we'll fall behind real quickly. Well, it's interesting because during the pandemic, when you know, there weren't as many games and all that stuff, like you really went to, you never stopped learning, but you were one of the guys that everybody talked about, like showing up at conferences. You even attended one of our equipment webinars that we did at Ingle. Like you were always looking to sort of what's new, what's different, make sure you stayed on top of it. Is there even more opportunity for that within this role? Or is that just always a part of what you've done? Well, for sure, you know, kind of it's a, a two-way street, and I haven't even talked to you about this, so the, this this will come live uh, in the moment. But I want to, I'd like to go down to the hockey shop with you one day and and start to understand the different um, qualities of the different uh, equipment companies. And I know you're gung ho on it, and you love it. It's a big part of your podcast. And I know for myself, I can learn, and if I can learn something about, you know the different uh, equipment companies out there and, and how they can help one goalie versus the other and the way they play, that's only going to benefit my guys in the long run. You know, I, I was a Vaughn guy my whole career, but you know what? They're not the only company out there. I kind of think they are, but I know they're not. Um, and and uh, the equipment companies are evolving and, and um, you know, coming up with some unbelievable uh, changes in the equipment from my time. I'm curious about it. I'm not going to lie. And I know you have the relationship there, so that's one way of learning. Consider, so I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you up on it at some consider point. Consider that seed planted anytime. Yeah, exactly. Um, so okay, so actually, I want to talk about gear a little bit because um, one of your longtime goalies was just in town, obviously, in Jonathan Quick, and me and him started sort of spitting back and forth on the gear, and and he's in a Vaughn softer pad, probably a little more similar to what you wore. Yep. And we talked about leather straps and how tightly, and I'd asked him if he tried anything else. Have you even tried like a fixed strap that you can do up tight, but it's Velcro? And he just, he's like, nah, but they all loosen up. He wants it as tight as possible. Um, the way the gears evolve, the way guys wear it now, like if, 
did you wear anything like were you always like quickie in terms of the tight tight where do you slide in that scale yeah i well number one i couldn't butterfly i physically couldn't do it so the sealing of the ice that way was never a high priority for me it was um having that ability with the you know by the end of my career i was a little bit more of a hybrid stand-up and and butterfly but very very little butterfly coverage so i relied on the ability of of having to seal my pad standing up and the best way for that was having the leather straps and and having them cinched tight from the kind of the top of the shin down and then loose to be able to have the mobility at the knees you know just i i could never i tried it there was that that uh short time where you saw a lot of guys um going with the floppy straps and the pads just flying all over the place but there was no uh knee coverage like they have now that you were able to do that and you just were you're taking pucks to the inside of the knee left and right and and that was never fun so um i think just uh i i, I was that's the way i handled it was i right no like i when i went to the canada cup with with marty Berdur, he had the pad flopping all over the place he was you know stand up i'm like what are you doing and and he started talking about you know the ability to get that pad to lie flatter whenever he did go down into his butterfly and his butterfly was a lot like mine. So there wasn't a lot of big coverage, but then you saw Patrick at that time, which, you know, we were never, we didn't really play in that era where you were stopping pucks that you weren't supposed to just because you were in a position to stop them. We had to stop everything. So now you've got these guys that are using the technology of the pads, the ability to have them flat to the ice, having coverage, uh, wide flares in their butterfly. These guys are making saves that they're probably not supposed to just because of the the uh, improvement in the equipment. How, and, I, and you kind of probably just answered it, but like how big was that to the evolution of the position? Having pads that rotated around the leg and the knee stack that landed flat. And so I think Mitch Korn used to use the phrase contortability. He used to have that in his scouting and it's gone now because you don't need to. The pad does it for you. Like, is it possible to state how big that was for the game? Having equipment that would just take away the bottom of the ice by dropping to your knees? I don't know. I haven't, I never wore them. <laughs> so you're asking the wrong guy, but obviously it's been a huge change, a huge change. And I think the, the combination of that and the, the high density foam that they're, they're using now, um, you know, I, I caught the tail end of the era where it was a mix of horsehair and high density foam. Now there's, it's all high density foam. So you're just talking about the weight, the wear and tear on our bodies of the physicality of lifting the pads back in the day and how wet they would get, you would play it back to back and they wouldn't dry. People don't understand that physicality that goalies of our era dealt with on a regular basis. Did you ever weigh them? Like how, like how, cause I've oh, had, I, someone showed me recently that they had an older pad and it didn't weigh that much more than a modern pad. And I'm like, and it kind of had me scratching my head because we always heard these stories about how much heavier those were back then. It was mostly about how they were by the end of the game as opposed oh, to- big time. You know, and you'd go through a stretch where you play- th- you know, back then three games in five nights and by the third, you, you, the water just wasn't leaving the pad and you could feel it as soon as you go out for warm up. I mean, I, I kind of forgot about it a lot. And then I, then I, uh, I put the, the real pad on when I did the movie miracle and one skate and my legs were crazy fatigued. And this was just with breaks left and right. And I forgot, you know, the water builds up in the bottom of them, which then filters, filters down into your skates. And so you have the combination of both lower boot and the skate boot all being wet. You forget about that aspect of things. 
did you like i was trying to think like i was trying to do like alumni games or anything like that you play out now um have you ever put on the modern pad that, that I, rotate for you at any point I wore for the first Heritage Classic that was 20 years ago, dating my age now. Uh, I wore the um, I wore the pad that I finished with, and then when I did the Winnipeg Heritage Classic, they designed my graphics in a new pad, and it was night and day. But the thing is, they showed they obviously I wasn't high priority at the time, uh, and it, and they did it. I think it was probably October uh, uh, when when we did the game. And, um, I got the pads in LA, I think two days before I had to leave. So I had them on for one practice and usually I would take about three months to break in a set of pads. And so that was really awkward for me, but the fact that they were so light, that was the first time I ever played in a game with uh, a, a new high end, um, light pad. Um, it was the first time. And you could, I mean, the difference between that and even the miracle shoot. Yeah, oh, night and day. But I mean, obviously, I've now, you know, in my time in LA, I usually practice with the team. I try and do it one, one to two times a year, just for laughs. There was two years ago where Quickie was playing every night, and he got into this habit of not doing morning skates. And I did a month of doing every single morning skate, and finally, that I was like, "Okay, hey, I'm, my body is is breaking down here," and and I stopped doing it, but. I went into the new new set of gear that way and and it was uh it's night and day. It is like just the puck hurts but does not hurt anywhere near like in the era that we played in. You feel it but doesn't like yeah. it's funny because we we showed us your masks for, and yeah. I came to this late. I couldn't imagine standing in front of shooters in the masks that you grew up wearing. The fear factor isn't really a part of the game anymore. Yeah, not as much cuz we still had like our 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 um Probably the arm and chest is is probably the biggest development in 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 this in the goaltending um, sport. It's uh, it's night and day. Like I went from felt as a kid, where you know it was basically I don't even know what um, material and foam. And I remember my mom like um, adding protection, just sewing in protection and putting cloth over it so I could get because all we had was all like that sponge material that we could use. There was no such thing as high density foam back then. And so I remember how, you know, you'd get shots off the elbows, off, off the collarbone and, you know, it hurt. Bottom line is you, you were scared of the puck. Um, it wasn't until Brown came out with the first set of good solid arm pads that everybody went into, but still there, there was no coverage for collarbone, no co coverage for elbows. Now you look at the arm pads today, it's almost like a player's elbow pads the collarbone protection and the elbow protection is probably the biggest change that's happened in, in the in, in the goalie world. Okay, and of course, obviously, the game changes for goalies once you have that protection because you no longer need to catch everything in the pocket. You can use your body to make saves. When we talk about the evolution, that's another yeah. one that I'm guessing you would cite as a key stepping stone to where we are today. Yeah, I relied on my hands. That's what I was known for when I played. I was known for two things, the use of my hands and stacking the pads. I couldn't butterfly, so I got my full cover with stacking the pads. And I used my hands to catch pucks because I didn't want it to hit anywhere else on my body because it hurt. So that's, that's where the two things were about my game. So now we see goalies that come up and especially kids that have success at younger ages because they're big. And I'm not going to, I don't want to make too big or bold a statement here. Hyperbole is a thing for me, but I'll try not to. But some of them can't catch. 
And you're probably even, there's some that make their way onto highly up scouting lists that can't necessarily catch a puck or it never seems to hit the pocket. Is there a way to teach it? If you had a young kid that was struggling with that, is there a way you'd try and get them, you know, just a little better with those hands? Other, you know, I mean, there's mechanics and things like that, but at the end of the day, like just that ability to catch it in the pocket. Well, I think there's one of the biggest mistakes um, we've made is going to the practice glove because guys started to like it. Puck doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt when it hits your palm. I mean, when you've been hitting the palm with a slap shot, you know. With this new age practice glove, it's just a big hard piece of plastic. You don't feel it. And then guys started going, well, maybe I'll try, you know, a little bit of form of it in a game. And I think that's been one of the hindrances of guys that can't catch pucks because they've basically gone to a practice model. Um, so one of the things we, we had a trend with that where I backed off like from Jonathan Quick right on down where uh, I sent him home as one of their project for the summer was taking the stiffness out of their glove. You have to catch pucks. You have to control rebounds. There are lots of good junior goalies that are blocking style, non-catchable type goalies that work their way up the ranks, but very few are able to make that next high step into that elite group in the NHL because the bottom line is the game has not changed. A lot of goals are scored on rebounds. The guys that are, are number one, able to catch and read releases, and number two, the guys that are able to control rebounds are elite. Bill, you've sort of opened up the avenue to junior players and and the development. So uh, I know a lot of it obviously is going to be proprietary, but can you talk to us just in general about the process of scouting a goaltender? Because uh, we certainly complain that not enough teams, not enough people necessarily pay enough attention to scouting goaltenders. So if you were to sit down with somebody, maybe with a junior team or something, and just say, hey, when you're out there looking at goalies, what sort of things should they be looking for to make it a proper evaluation? Well, I always look for an athlete, number one. I, I feel most of the goalie coaches, if not every single one, I don't know all of the guys in the league personally. I know a good chunk of them. I know they can all teach technical. I, and I think a lot of guys have a belief that they can teach technical. But the, this athlete, uh, a guy that has an uh, athletic component to his game, I love. And then you have to now have to be able to skate. You have to be a strong skater. And if you can get around the crease uh, in a controlled manner, um, I think from there, those are two, two things that are key for, for watching guys. Um, I call them the, what's the form, you know, that, that, that guy that looks pretty in the net. We would call it the goalie school, the, the goalie. Goalie, school goalie. Yeah. The goalie school goalie that you give them a pattern, they'll nail it. Then you throw a, a, a puck in the middle and, and they lose all, all composure for the ability to stop the puck. So I feel if you have that, that goalie that's a strong skater, that's an athlete with um, a little bit of a technical package, that's, that's kind of the ideal guy that I, I look for. You want to look for that gamer, you know, the guy with the intangibles where, where the game's on the line and he's going to do anything to stop the puck. I, I'd rather see that guy. And then, you know, for me, that was Jonathan Quick. Mm -hmm. If you look at Jonathan Quick when he broke into, into the league, the technical side of there was was not there, and and but his um, ability to take in information and learn and be willing to try things was off the charts. I went into Reading one night, 
And he played walkouts like I used to play, straight up and down, you know, stand up goalie, pads together, force the guy, use your stick to force the guy to go around you. So we started talking about getting a little bit lower, a little bit more athletic, being kind of a off angle, like a one third so that you're already angling towards the blue paint and everything. And we talked about this in a morning skate and I'd never, ever seen it in my career. He went out that night and applied it in, in the game. Oh. It was off the chart. I, I couldn't believe it. For me, it would have taken a month minimum to even be willing to try it. Yeah. And, and he went out and, and executed it that night in the game. And that's what was special about Jonathan Quick. You could, he had an ability to understand his body. You could tell him something. And as long as he, you know, he just didn't do something because you told him. He wanted to understand why. And he was able to go and execute it. Like, it was funny, I had Quick and Bernier at the same time. Joe Bernier was a very high, well-gifted, technical goalie. And if you wanted to change something, you had to show him why that was going to make his game better. You could tell Jonathan Quick was going to make his game better, and Jonathan could go, uh, Quick could go and and work on it. Bernier, you had to explain why it was going to help his game and why that tool was going to go into his toolbox. And then he would go out and do it. So they were just a little bit different learners. And that's the, the tough thing about our position. You're going to, you're going to get, you know, different types of learners that you have. There's, there's guys that visually can see something, go and do it. And there's certain guys that understand their body and, and how their body works will go and learn. So that, that's one of the things that uh, you, you always had to deal with. I wonder how many listeners have picked up that you live with a group of teachers. In your family. Big part of it. Yeah. Big part of it. You know, um, from the time that my, my wife and I were together when I started playing, um, she has always been a a big believer in me and, and my abilities. And so from the psychological standpoint of having somebody that believes in you, that is a teacher and understanding and understands how teaching works is, is huge. And not only for what, what I do, um, she's been a big help for what I do on the ice with with teaching, but also off the ice. Anytime you're presenting and how to present, um, she's really good at, at that aspect of things of, of how it's going to um, touch everybody. Because you can't always look at one individual and you think, I'm going to, Hutch, I'm going to teach you. And you can't look at it that way no. because there's everybody learns in a different way. So I've learned from, I've learned from her um, just with her experience. And, and she's, she's a full-time student. She's... Uh, She's still taking classes today, and it's crazy that, that she's basically been a student her whole life while working full-time and raising two kids full-time and now involved with two grandbabies. So that's, that's the biggest thing I've learned is you've got to be willing to adjust to different things. Not sure what surprised me more, how quickly Jonathan Quick learns, or that you had to talk to him about being more athletic. Yeah. Um, you know what, he's, he's, he's a very, you know, you look at, has, at Jonathan Quick's career and it's, it's pretty special. You know, he's a a very grown man now. And, um, I, I'm like a proud papa. He's, he's like one of what was one of my kids and stuff. And, and there'll be a, a special place in my heart forever. You know, one of the most difficult days, you know, of my life was, was the day that he was traded from the Los Angeles Kings. But, um, you know, the thing that I'm excited about, he's gone to a good organization with the Rangers, uh, and he has an opportunity to do something special uh, uh, in the next year or two. And, and if he was be able to come the 
the number one winningest USA goalie in the NHL by the end time his career ends. I think that would be just one of the greatest accomplishments for him. And, you know, he's, he's picking away. He's got two already this year. And, and if he keeps picking away the way he's been doing it and keeps playing the quality goal that, that he can, uh, he may even be able to achieve it this year. So um, I, I want to be there for that. Relationships are at the heart of everything you're doing. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, if I've learned anything, it, that's what it's about. Trust. You know, you have to build trust with your goalies. Um, now I'm at the point where now I have to trust, uh, build trust with, with my staff, build trust with, trust with management. It's, uh, going from being in the, in the coach's room now up into the management offices when I am in LA, it's, uh, building a trust, uh, with that group is important. So I, I'm looking forward to the challenge. It's, I know it's not going to be easy. It's a uh, new territory for me, but, uh, I'm, I'm excited about it. So if you're talking to a young goalie coach, I know there's lots of them that are listening right now. Bill, you've been doing this forever. Can you give me a little bit of advice? I'm moving up with a good team for the first time in my life and in the midget junior rank sort of thing. Advice for a young coach? Uh, go into it with an open mind. If you think you have the, all the answers, you're wrong. I think that's probably the best advice I can give. You know, your podcast is, is the Ingle podcast is amazing information. What the content that you're putting on your website it might not be for you, but if you can pick up even one thing from, from a podcast or, or from um, your website, you're moving in the right direction. Like I listened, like that, that was my routine, going to the rink. I listened to the podcasts on, my way to, on the way to the rink. And so with, with me, if I could pick up one thing or one idea on my way to a game, that I could either take to a practice, take to a game, or take to the coaching office, I've gained. And that and that's and it's it's not hard to do. You just gotta go onto your phone and dial it up and, and away you go and listen. And 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 if you can learn something, it's it's gonna benefit you. There's a lot of guys that have good ideas. I don't think everybody has all the answers, but there's good ideas out there. Goalie coaches from all different levels. There's a lot of good junior coaches that just don't get the opportunity. But, um, you know, you listen to them and you're like, I, I like this, this concept. And so I may go try it the next day with our goalies, see what they think, ask them about it, throw it into the toolbox. The hardest thing for us is any new changes is what makes good goalie coaches versus great co goalie coaches is your ability to be able to teach it to different guys. And if you don't have that ability to teach it, if you can just tell them, you're in trouble. You have to be able to teach it and you have to be able to convince them that what you're teaching um, will help them. And if it doesn't help them, then you need to have an answer for in a way that you can help them for the situation you're trying to deal with at the time. You have to have multiple options. This is just my strange brain working here as it does, but maybe in the tone that you're looking for an athlete, to be a goaltender because they've got that raw skill about them. Maybe in the same vein, looking to a junior goalie coach who works with 150 kids a year sort of shows that raw ability to communicate with so many more people than just going to the guy who's got two goalies all year. No, no, for sure. For sure. We, in, in LA, um, you know, it, it gets hard to do, but we try and mentor. I try and bring in for a development camp, um, 
you know, this year we had so many, we had hires from within. So we, we it was just our own guys. But in the, that's how Maddie Miller got involved. Maddie, Maddie Miller, I've known his dad was my, my, uh, my trainer in Edmonton and, and now he works with Warrior. So obviously there's a connection there. And um, Maddie just asked about coming out. I'm like, absolutely. You know, his dad's in El Segundo. He can walk to the rink and, and uh, that's how the relationship started with him. So that's what I try and do as much as possible when we have the opportunity is bring in a coach to mem- uh, that we can help mentor. And the same thing goes, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of it happened during the pandemic because we had time and, you know, then it, then you kind of lose that, that, that sight of that. But I think it's important to try and help out other people because um, that, that's how you find out uh, not only new ideas, but you find out how, how many quality people there are out there, but that just don't get the chance. And a lot of times it's who you know. It's really about who you know. And so if you can get your, get your leg in the door at a development camp or, or a summer camp or, um, you know, going out to, you know, Mackenzie Skapsky runs his camps out there and you go out there and watch and somehow help out, get on the ice, you're going to learn something. I like the best advice was just listen to the Ingo Radio podcast. The checks in the mail for that one, Bill. It's it's uh it's it's something that that um, has been a big part of my learning, and I was fortunate enough that you guys were able to let me in during the during the pandemic to get involved in it a little bit more. But there's nothing like that out there. That um, you know, obviously, you can go to YouTube and 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 different other avenues, but it's just a, a small portion. And this gives you the full package and you can dive into so many different layers with what you guys been able to, you know, the pro reads is probably, you know, we always wondered how, how we can teach hockey sense. And I know from a few other goalie coaches that development camps have now changed where that's now a component of their development camp is basically kind of off of what you guys do in, 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 uh, in your pro reads because that is one way we've always wondered how can i teach goalie sense so we talk about uh i use the term ice awareness others use looking off the puck scanning all different terms same same thing but that's one way one way of of teaching a little bit of hockey sense being able to read what's going on around you but these these actual the physical pro reads where you can see what the goalies are reading and and uh i I've told Jonathan Quick that he has to come on this program at some point because his son is a goalie now and his son can learn a, a lot from this program. But that's what made Jonathan Quick special. I was going to say a lot of people think of the athleticism, but you've told us this before. And we've had this, uh, Eric Comrie told us, you have to get Connor Hellebuck on. You wouldn't believe his reads. And he was right. And yeah. you've said the same thing about Jonathan. He thinks the game at another yeah. level. So with Jonathan, when I would do video, you know, a lot of guys, they've got their clips, they go and do their, their video clips and we're going through the clips and stuff. And there's times where he would stop the video. That's when I knew I had him. You know, there are certain things that I would point out, but you got to realize he's, he's another set of eyes. He lived it. He was on the ice. He lived the situation. So there, was a, there, there would be times in our video sessions where something I would miss and he'd be, no, hey, go back on that play. I, he goes, I, I think I missed the read there. And we'd go back and, sh- and, and the, we'd go over the clip and he'd be like, yeah, that, I, I totally missed that read. I'm in a bad position there. So he remembers things about the game from the night before that where he was uncomfortable in a situation and he picked up on the clip when we're walking through the, the, the clips ourselves. Are you able to give us a 
sort of a framework for what one of those video sessions with one of your goaltenders looks like. I think a lot of young coaches or young goaltenders just focus on, let's see the goals from last night and everything you did wrong. Uh, oh, no. What that's, do you do when you're sitting no, down with the guy? That's so far from what, what I believe in and, and what, what I try and talk to our guys about. Our, our video guy, Samson Lee, is unbelievable in LA. He'll, he, I probably overdo it with the clips. So we probably have anywhere from 120 to 180 clips after the game. They're all 10-second clips. And I'll usually reduce that down to probably about 70 clips for my video session. Early on in the season, probably 20 minutes to a half hour after a game. Once the season gets rolling along, I try and cut it down to 10, 15 minutes unless it's a special occasion where, you know, things are starting to slide. We got to get back back on course. But I try and go, we'll go through the clips. Um, guys do it different ways. Guys do puck handling first, then in zone, part, break it up. I like to do it the way the game rolled. I do it by period to period. And I'll just walk through the clips. Um, some I'll go over quickly where I don't, don't think it's much. We'll skip over it. And then I'll have comments where I'll say um, staggered feed left to, left to right. And I know it's a, it's a lateral play going high to low or low to high. And I'll look at positioning, save execution, kind of the combination. What was your read here? You know, if you're late on the play, why were you late? What was your footwork, for, uh, you know, your footwork in that certain situation? Uh, back in that play, did you lose sight of the puck? Why did you lose sight of the puck? Where was your coverage? Talked about hockey sense, the ice awareness, you're scanning. Okay, you've scanned, you've seen a guy that he's back door. Do you make an adjustment off the post to flatten out because you know the guy or give back depth? I'm at the top of the crease. I realize I, there's a guy behind me. Do you make that read? And number two, do you make that adjustment to reduce your depth? Because you got to be able to um, make that that skating move to be able to get back door. If I'm going from the top of the crease, I don't on a good strong pass, I don't stand a chance getting back there to make the save. But if, if I give back a layer of depth, I give myself a chance. I want to keep the puck in front of me. Everybody's talking about feet set, puck in front of them these days. So if you take in that information, if you don't do anything about it, why are you taking the looks? It doesn't make any sense. And so that's where the hockey sense of teaching hockey sense comes into play. So I want the goalie to read and react. So if I have a clip where I think a goalie's fooled, I'm like, and, and I don't attack him. I'm going, what was your read there? Well, I was read the shooter coming down. I got the shoot. Like there's, there's a clip where a goalie will step out. Well, why are you stepping out? Well, because I know that my D's got the backside covered. I know I can be more aggressive to the shooter. I locked onto the shooter. Or I didn't see the guy. I was too aggressive. Lateral feed, tap in. Whoops, bad read by me. Hey, what could we have done different? Look at the rush. Look, here's an opportunity. The guy's outside the, outside the dots. There's an opportunity for you. Take your scan. Look to where, where he is. What hand is he? Is he on a one-timer or is he on a catch and release? So we're taking in that information to make that adjustment. If a guy carrying the puck is on his backhand, I know he's not as big a threat. I can start rolling back to the post. I don't have to be as aggressive to the shot. I got to worry about an east-west play. My ability to use that post as an anchor to be able to push back out. So. Those are the, what I'm, that's what I'm looking for in the clips. This would be a super educational exercise if we could sit down with some Kevin Woodley video and you could just go through. I'd love that. Comedy routine is what it would be. What the? 
and maybe it wouldn't be coming off the conky because then we could figure out why you got a uh, knee to the head. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Usually when you splay out face first on the ice, that's when you get kicked in the head. That's yeah. that's part of the problem. I should yeah, diagnose it happened that. to me a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you can teach hockey IQ and video is a way to do it. It sounds like, so I'm wondering, like, obviously the first step for young kids that don't have access to an NHL goalie coach and video is to get a pro reads or a subscription to premium. Like, I'm just shameless plugs here. But you can watch, this is the one thing I've, we've heard from other, kids don't watch hockey enough anymore. Like you right. can watch so, it with a critical eye and watch other goalies and see what they're doing. Right. So go individualized and go to these different uh, aspects of, of programs that are out there for them, like your end goal. So now they have, they, they have a baseline that they can go to to maybe learn about, you know, what ice awareness or what scanning is all about and, and maybe improve their hockey sense. There, there is still, you know, there's obviously there's a skill and there's, there's an ability where you have that natural innate ability to read the game like a Jonathan Quick. You know, you look at Jeremy Swayman. He has an ability to read the game very, very well. We talk about Connor Hellebuck. Hey, Connor Hellebuck may, may not be an elite skater like uh, Soros, but Connor's reading ability, uh, shot release ability, puts him in the elite group of goaltending in our league at this point. I wanted to just rewind real quick, only a couple more, but you talked about being on the ice for practice. You're, you're in the director role. Like as we start to think about things like managing rest and we're seeing, you know, the optimum now being like 50, your team's talking about 55 games, whereas it wasn't that long ago, 65 seemed like a step back. Is there, and maybe this, maybe Sensorina, well, I know you're on the board there. Maybe this is one of the answers. How do we find more rest at all levels? How do we manage goalies better? Is, do we see practice goalies at the NHL level? Can tools like Sensorina, where do, how, do we, how do we find that, that maybe something that's, that's not being done right now? Well, you, you, you nailed it, a practice goalie. And I know we've, I've shamelessly talked about it a little bit and, and, um, it has been taken to the league. I think just don't know if it's, if they're serious about it or willing to do it because it becomes into roster size, legality, insurance. But my, my thought process behind that is, is you have an extra, uh, roster spot, a 24 spot that has to be an entry level goalie, uh, playing in the East coast league. So it, Put your 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 organization in a situation to sign one more player, which is a third goalie, and then you can rotate. It gives you, depending on what your organization has, whether you have one or two guys in the East Coast League, to be able to rotate them. And so the guy comes to your team. He is paid his East Coast League salary, but he's living in NHL accommodation, hotel-wise, NHL per diem, and having that ability to work with the NHL uh, goalie coach at the time, because very few East Coast League teams have goalie coaches. So you get, you're getting full-time attention, and you're on the ice every day with, with the NHL team. And the rotation means you're not stuck there. You still get no. to go so play. So whatever that you probably got to find a magic number, because obviously budget comes into play. So if you do a two-week, three-week, or, or monthly rotation, um, you're going to go there. You're going to learn. You're going to – you're in – total development mode, hopefully uh, grow your game because you're, you're higher end quality players and shots you're going up against. And then you go back to the East Coast League. Another guy rotates in. Now you're going to play your games. So it's a little bit of a, it's almost like what, what they do in baseball. Baseball, you start at single A, you're, you have to pitch so many innings 
before you go up to double A. You have to pitch so many innings at double A before they, they, it's a process that you go through because it's about developing for the big pitcher and that's being a full-time pitcher in, in the major leagues. This would be the same approach that we have um, for our East Coast League guys. They get the opportunity of experience the NHL. Obviously, it's not going to cost them as much as in salary. It's going to cost you accommodations, but most of the teams have deals and, and, you know, get into a situation where you rent an apartment for that East Coast League goalie and you have it there for the year and you just keep rotating the guys in and out. It takes away from the, you know, your, your elite starters where they don't have to be out there every day or they can go out and do the first 15, 20 minutes of practice and then the third guy steps in and you're not ruining that extra time where one group doesn't have a goalie to shoot on. You have a goalie in each end. And the thing that, um, you know, Winnipeg had it for, uh, for a little bit. I don't know if they still have it, but they had a East Coast League goalie that retired, moved back to Winnipeg. He was kind of the third guy. But the thing that they ben- really benefited from that was there were days on morning skates where they could do a goalie session with the number two goalie and let the third guy go down and do all the extra work that he was doing with the extra guys, but take one or two shooters and say, okay, this is a development day for the, for the number two goalie. They need breaks sometimes. That's what people don't realize. The number two guy needs a break. You well, get playing sick. 30 some odd games yeah. now too. Yeah. And you, you get sick of just practicing every day. And, and if you got a guy that's playing 65 games, you're not getting in, you're getting in the, in the 20 range, 20, 25 games. If you're going to develop, you need that specialty time yourself. And that gives your goalie coach a time to do a goalie session, third guys down in the other end, working with the extra guys that, that need to work on their skill work, where the goalies sometimes lose out on that. Okay, so we're not going to just bring in a couple of podcasters to help, you know, stand in the net and make your shooters feel confident. We're okay with that. We like the concept. Um, I just think from the, we're, we're talking about a, a very special league in, in, and I know this is, this is going to hurt the e-bug guys out there, but the bottom line is, this is a billion dollar sport and no other league would have somebody walking off the street coming in to be the quarterback of the Denver Broncos, Los Angeles Rams. That ain't happening, but we've done it. So w- could your practice goalie then be the e-bug if somebody gets hurt or in some situation? Your practice goalie is the e-bug. Okay. And so, so you're not in that situation where you've got a Toronto Maple Leaf e-bug going into play for the Carolina Hurricanes and in all Toronto Maple Leaf colors. Right. You've got your, your, your e-bug, guy. your e-bug is your e-bug. So when Edmonton's playing Los Angeles, our East Coast League guy is playing for us and the East, East Coast League guy is playing for, is the e-bug for, for Edmonton. And by extension, this is the next step of where can we find inefficiencies to, to solve rest? Could he back up on nights the backup is starting? No. Okay, so that's where that, that's I wonder, where I wonder because no, the number one guy still has to go and, through all his routine, right? But that's where you cannot manipulate it, and that's what the biggest fear was. It and that's why I said has to be an entry level, because the top end teams that have the unlimited budget, they'll go hire like they'll, a they'll, thirty year veteran. Yeah, to go they'll, to, they'll, yeah, they'll 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 pay a legit guy to come in. No, it has to be an entry level salary, entry level contract. So now it's everybody's on an even playing field. Okay, so if you if it wasn't a practice goal, if you had three regular goalies on your roster, do you think there's a benefit to the starter actually and on a night where you know he's not going in? You're starting the backup, your starter's played four or five in a row. Of having him get a night off versus having to go through all his warm up and his mental preparation and routine. Do you see a benefit there or am I getting carried away? 
I think there's a little bit of benefit there, but the bottom line, the parity in the league right now, we just had had it happen the other night where we're, we're, we're in Arizona and uh, Phoenix is out after three and, uh, you know, in, in comes Talbs and, and gets scored on the first shot, you know, not fun, <laughs> and then shuts the door and come from behind win 5-4. Now, if you've got maybe an East Coast League guy that's not really ready for the level and he has to go in now, you're basically surrendering potentially surrendering the game before it's even you know over. So I think that's why, and I also believe, in, and this is just personal opinion, I was always of the belief that whether I was playing or not, I wanted to be part of the team. That's what we've heard from guys. Even the guys that have yeah. admitted to me that they think they could benefit from, from a rest standpoint have said, I do not want to not be out there with yeah. my guys. I'm and, part and of this I, team. And, and maybe early on in your career, not so much, but in the latter part of my career, um, I could turn it on and turn it off. Like I could go into game mode like that. You snap did, your you fingers. Did, you did three hours of no, juggling. Snap before. the fingers. I'm in game mode. Yeah. I I I could like boom. I'm I'm there. You know. I I can tell a story about the outdoor, the first Heritage Classic I was in. I'm I'm with um, Dwayne Mandrusiak, who's the head equipment guy for the Edmonton Eskimos for. Well, it's a long story. Should have been 50 years, but came up shy. But he's the one that gave us the the whole one piece, the onesies, because it was minus 40 out with the wind chill. And he's in the penalty box with me. Fierzy plays the first half. I got to go one for the for the second half. So Fierzy's standing on his head. And I'm like, oh my God. And him and I are talking and some, and then it went down to the five minute mark before I had to go in. And I don't hear the story till after the game. I guess Dwayne was talking to me and, and I just went, Phew. I went into game mode. I just, I didn't hear anything I said. I just went, I was like, started to get myself ready. And he tells me the story after the game. He goes, I was trying to talk to you. And it was like, there was nobody home. You just went into game mode. And so that I know I, I, at that point, there was a point in my career where maybe not early on, but where I could snap into it and I'm, I'm ready to go play. I'm reminded of a Kevin Costner movie, the one where he's the pitcher for the Tigers. It's every, before every pick set, clear the mechanism and yeah. then everything around him yeah. from all the screaming in the stands just goes blurry. That's kind of what comes yeah. to mind. Okay, this is indeed the last one. It's one thing for me and Hutch to get on here and talk about Sense Arena. You're on the board. I know you believe in it. it you know, To have a beer leaguer say this thing is legit is one thing. We just looked at a Consmith trophy in your office and a Canada Cup, you know, and gold medals and, you know, letters from the prime minister. So for you, this is a legit tool. Yeah, I think especially for the young kids, I know we're trying to find a way uh, for the guys in the American Hockey League, you know, the minors and the NHL. And I think, you know, it's it's like anything. You, you have to start from the bottom and work your way up. And, you know, obviously they brought on Devin Levi, who's a huge believer in it. And, you know, that those world junior guys that were stuck in the bubble, that that's where probably it really started to grow. And that's where we started to use it, where we started to lose that, that, pra that practice time. Any young goalie out there, you know, there's, there's obviously there's always a financial burden to anything you do. But one thing I know for the full subscription, it's basically probably one individual's one-on-one -on -one session on the ice this will take you a long way. If you're too many times, what do we talk about with our young kids? Not enough time on the ice, not, a, not, not facing enough shots in practice, the whole, the whole gamut. Well, this gives you another avenue to do it and you're not putting your equipment on every day. If you choose to 
throw your knee pads on or even put knee pads and pads on, you can utilize it. Or you can sit on a ball, sit in a chair. That's the thing about it. There's just so many different avenues that you can use it from the fit, what it does to you physically. And I know that that's the approach that I'm trying to take with our, with our young guys is if there's a way to teach them to take just that little bit of stress off their body, if they can build off it. So if we give them a day off and they just want to keep a little bit sharp, they can throw the headset on for five minutes and do a couple of drills and set it down and you're done. So that for me, that's the approach. I'm just trying to come up with a system because at the NHL level, great for an injury, great for the off season. But once the season, we're on the ice every day. My job as a goalie coach is more about maintenance. So it's a, it's a different role. So now it's, it's finding a way to get these guys rest, not put more on. But for somebody that's just learning to play the position or is lacking ice time, lacking reps, this is the most realistic thing you're going to face. It's unbelievable. Like where it started four years ago to where it is to now is night and day. Like they, the, the work they put in it is, is incredible. And it's only going to get better. So if you're a young goalie out there or a parent of a young goalie and you're looking for, you know, obviously it's not 100% realistic, but it's, I'd say high 90s. <laughs> There's a lot of reality of about it. And if you're wanting to get better without spending hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars for individual work, I know I'm killing probably the the, the, the private goalie coaches, the pri- like, private goalie coaches sh- sh- but you know, there's also a place for them because there's a lot of really good ones out there and, and there's a place for them. And that's another side of it, but I can't have a private goalie seven days a week. I can't number one, nobody can afford it, but if you can afford it once a week or once a month, but then you have this ability to go to Sensorina and every single day that you're not on the ice and you're choosing to want to do something, you don't have to. Because I think that's another aspect of things that we have to realize as parents that um, our kids need a break. They need to play other sports. They need to do other things and sometimes put the goalie equipment down and do something different. That's what they say the big approach with, uh, with the goalies come out of Russia now. They are, they are learning to be athletes on the trampolines, playing other sports, soccer and everything. So it's not 12 months a year being a goalie. And now the big trend right now is all these guys coming over that, that, are, that are athletes. So... I am in the belief of that. And the other thing that I haven't touched enough on myself that I got to do a deeper dive is, is the cognitive side that that is available for Sensorina. Um, Because I grew up doing the light board and stuff and, and, and they have that, I've done some of the stuff, uh, some of the different cognitive stuff, and I think it's good. So there's, there's two separate avenues as far as that. Okay, well, you just opened up like another line of questioning, but we're going to let you off the hook because I said we'd be, ah, you want to do 20, 30 minutes on the podcast? And it's 54 minutes. Billy, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it and enjoyed having you on. Thank you very much. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Always a pleasure. I love it. I love the program. Um, you know, the Ingoal Magazine is, I think, is, is something that uh, is going to help a, a lot of kids out down the road. And you know what? It even helps a lot of the pro goalies because I know there's a lot of guys that are subscribers. So just uh, keep doing what you're doing. Love the Centurina talk. He has bought in and is helping take that to the next level. And not to be too 
self appreciative, uh, but they Bill Bill's a big fan of of Ingle. Yeah, our, our, both our jaws just about hit the table as he started to talk. It was it's a pretty good tire pump. Super exciting. <laughs> Super exciting. We had not asked him to say anything. We'd not pushed any topics. I honestly just... didn't know that he listened to the podcast on the way to the rink when he was in Los Like yeah. I, that, that was news to me. So that that was pretty flattering to hear that. And um, but I'm not surprised because as we saw, especially during the pandemic, this is a guy who and he talks about it in the interview, the reasons why and the, the origins with his with his wife and daughters being teachers. Like this is a guy who never stops learning, and that's why he's always been so good at his job. And you know he's going to be good in the new role because he never stopped sort of evolving and learning. And so we shouldn't be surprised that he wants to hear what other goalies and other goalie coaches from all over the world are talking about and working on because he is, you know, he's never a closed book. He's always open to seeing if he can learn from other people. And so as much as we were surprised and pleasantly so, I guess we shouldn't be because if there's a podcast on goaltending, Bill Ranford's going to be a guy listening to it. I think he just plain old loves the position. And then you add in some natural curiosity to that. It's and, and being able to communicate what you're thinking. It's perfect. And then just add a little generosity on top of that too. What a generous human being and what a kind person to let a couple of dummies like us into his home to talk goaltending. You guys talked about the office and it's got the mass up. We've, we've seen that. Uh, it was one of the great things about the, uh, dur- during the uh, pandemic and being able to lean on him with, it's hard to, what he says is great, but then you're looking at what's in his background. It's like, holy cow, look at his mass and the trophies and the sticks and, and everything. And then he's so great about showing it around. But uh, the, the trophies, every player that wins the Stanley Cup gets a miniature trophy, miniature Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it the same way with the, with the Canada Cup? He's got a miniature I don't remember Canada if Cup? there was a Canada or was Cup it just in there? the jerseys? The jerseys are there for sure. Maybe Canada Cup rings was what they got. There's a medal. Was that a world champ? There was a world championship world medal championship hanging on the world medal. championship well, jersey. Well, they ended the big. He was in goal for the for the end of the Team Canada World Championship drought. Uh, Luke Robitaille scored, and it was a shootout, and and Billy made the big save. Remember that? It, the, honestly, so on Canada Cup, like for sure, the jersey stands out. There were, let's just say, there were a lot of trophies in that room, Darren. And I may yeah. not have checked the label on everyone. I definitely asked for permission to take a picture of the Conn Smythe Award. Um, you know, and there's four miniature Stanley Cups there, but I didn't look for and can't specifically remember if there's a replica Canada Cup or not. I've never seen one, so I was just curious whether uh, it, it existed. But the there miniature was a, Stanley Cups... The- a letter from Brian Mulrooney commemorating it and thanking him for his role in it. That was pretty cool. Wow. For those listening south of the border, that's the former Prime Minister of Canada. Yeah, yes, okay. I've, I forgot. Not everybody realizes who that is. It was just, a, it was just a really fun day. And like you said, I don't geek, like I don't fanboy out very often, Darren. You know how it is when you're around the game that much. But I'm just a fan of Bill Ranford, the person, and he was so gracious with his time and and welcoming us in today. It was, it was a really, really, really special day. Miniature Conn Smythe, Miniature Stanley Cups, and uh, World Championship medals, and the jerseys uh, all up there. Does he keep? Did he keep any of his own sticks, or is it all? I think uh, I saw a Ranford stick there. Yeah. Oh, you did. Oh, good. Yeah. And obviously, tons of his masks too. Yeah, those. Uh, those are cool. what, what kind of mask did he wear? I can't remember what model that was. I didn't even look to see what model it was. Yeah. I'm gonna bet there was well, a Harrison was, in there. I was gonna say probably through the era. There's probably probably Harrison for. 
yeah. a good chunk of it. He showed us the first mask he ever wore, and let's just say I wouldn't even play street hockey in it. Showed us really? the mask he wore. Go oh, from from like peewee hockey. It was so small it wouldn't even fit on our faces. I don't think it and was one, really. And the oh, one okay. was the one with the Canada flag. Was that was that World Canada Cup or uh, no? No, it was just from when he was younger, and he said it was a plant mask because um, I'd brought those up. I used to wear a Jacques Plant Fibrosport mask, but this was plastic, and it was basically a road hockey mask. Yeah, um, it was super flexible, unlike the old Fibrosport uh, fiberglass ones. And he said he wore it in games, and I just am terrified at that thought. He started his career in the SK2000 and the HM30, and I remember that part. But, yeah, yeah. And then he, obviously, uh, working his way around the league with, with different masks, but uh, the Oilers mask is one that uh, that stands out. I'm jealous. I'm, I'm, I'm really envious and, and happy for you guys. That, that was a really, sounds like an amazing day, just based on what was a snippet to your entire day that, that we just heard. That was cool. Very cool. It was very fun. And and we get to end it talking to you, Darren. Like what this truly is an international celebration of goaltending. So it's good. You got the high, the high, and then you get reminded of what real life is like talking to me. <laughs> well, you should <laughs> you should come up for a visit because he wants to go to the hockey shop with us. Oh he really? Brought, he brought that up as well in the interview. So no you, way. yeah, you should just come on up and we can all geek out over at the shop together. Let's do it. Are we allowed to have that I'm many in. Brandon boys in one room? Oh, that'd be so good. <laughs> he was he was young then, but uh, but I always claim he was a base brat, uh, military. Uh, yeah. But I do claim him as 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 Brandon guy. Uh, awesome stuff. Uh, congratulations, you guys. Uh, well done. Uh, we rode a, a nice little loop today. International Goaltending Day. Uh, we got the Hockey Hall of Fame inductions coming up. Uh, we uh, tipped a toe in uh, in that, and uh, with Bill Ranford. So awesome stuff. But the Hockey Shop Source for Sports Langley, HockeyShop.com. Thanks to Cam and company, and Sensorina for uh, providing us an opportunity to speak to Bill Ranford. Uh, We'll talk to you next week on In Goal Radio, the podcast. 